Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's supposed to be very slim. It's gone. Very slim. It's gone for Hi, welcome to my podcast, Total BS, in 2021. I'd like to thank Lucid Technology, Ocean Lighting, Galaxy Blinds and Cornerstone for sponsoring the podcast. On Saturday, I was expecting a response against Cardiff after Tuesday night's symbolic display against Bristol. Obviously, it was better because we only conceded one goal and grabbed a point against a team who had they'd been on a good run. I think they've won the previous six games before they came to the Riverside. And... Um, it was good to see my former captain, Republic of Ireland teammate, Mick McCarthy. He's, of course, Cardiff's manager. It was good to see him in the, the dugout or at the, the pitch side on Saturday. But as a spectacle, it was as bad as I've seen. I thought it was a poor advertisement for championship football. Very little football played. It was long balls, hoofs and set pieces galore. Some of you might like that kind of thing. I certainly don't. But Cardiff were a mirror image of of us, Warner and Big Mick, both defensive coaches, and once again, the last third, we were non-existent and pitiful. I mean, when you look at the two goals scored, Cardiff was a set-piece, a long throw-in, Shorten-esque, remember Shorten? Uh, long ball in, there was, you could have threw a blanket, there were six players in total, three Middlesbrough, three Cardiff, their lad get the head to it, 
Uh, big Paddy McNair was flat-footed behind him. He should have did better. And the keeper was rooted, never moving, end up in the back of the net. The equaliser that we scored wasn't created by us. Initially, uh, Cabano on the, on the right had whipped a ball in, took a nasty ricochet over the keeper, over Akpom. For me, I thought Akpom should have got it. And Paddy McNair stuck it in the back of the net. So both goals, one for a, a long throw and one for a ricochet. Not exactly scintillating creativity or creative football. But the only football we played was when the substitutes came on, especially Cabano on the right. I mean, I questioned before the game, why was this lad on the bench? I mean, he's no long in. Maybe he's no match fit, but come on, he should be starting the games. There's nobody good enough to keep him out. But I've been saying for months on my podcast and Facebook Live, a sombre longer moving away from the game now. I've been saying for months, my Facebook Live, my podcast, that a sombre longer is a poor example of a captain to wear the captain's armband, knowing that he's off at the end of the season, he's not performing. Uh, and I kept asking the question, why is he not being stripped to the captaincy? Well, Warnock's finally woke up and stripped him of it, and rightly so. You don't want a guy that's off at the end of the season who's not putting his full whack in, uh, trying to, you know, perform as captain, knowing that he's going to be off. You know, it, we need a we need a leader. Uh, we've handed it now to Johnny Housen. Housen, of course, I don't, I don't think Housen's vocally a leader, but he'll certainly lead by example because he, he's a, he's a workhorse. He closes things down. He's one hundred and ten percent every game. He's never let his down when he's wore the shirt since his arrival. Uh, but Warnock, uh, getting off that subject, Warnock revealing they did not watch Akpom live, uh, just video footage, sums up a recruitment uh, team. Who, and, and I'd like to know, who are these guys? They should be brought to light who they are, so they put them under a bit of pressure. They, they bring in duds, and they have done over the years. They've probably chopped and changed since then, but they bring in duds, then they go hiding. Those who thought that Agpom was good enough to play in a Neil Warnock team, obviously the recruitment team did, I could have saved them money. No good in a Warnock team. No good. It's a sign of me. No good in a Warnock team. But the guys who's brought them in obviously not got a clue. It's just like Jordan Rhodes. I've went over him in recent weeks. Jordan Rhodes under Karanka paid 10 million quid. The guys who brought him in, clueless. Akpom doesn't fit into a one-up-top system. And Jordan Rhodes didn't fit into a one-up-top uh, when he came and the Greta was number one straight. Didn't fit into Karanka's style. So, squandered money. Um, but I think it's... I think it's uh, appealing and refreshing that, that Neil Warnock has went on record and says it publicly, admitting that probably he didn't know a great deal about, as did the... They hadn't watched them live. They've watched video footage. Warnock says, you can make any player look good in video, video footage. I agree with that. Uh, and I see this side, um, very saddened to hear the, the, the former Newcastle United centre-half, Glenn Roder, has passed away. Uh, condolences to his family. I played against Glenn on several occasions. Glenn played for Newcastle United as a centre-half. He was elegant, he was stylish, good in the air, could pick a pass. He was a footballing centre-half. He wasn't a hammer-thrower. But by all accounts, that's my phone going in the background, that's because we're live. But by all accounts, he was a great human being. And um, I heard Alan Shearer saying that last night. In fact, cause he, I think he walked alongside Alan at Newcastle. And, and I'll, I'll take his word for it. He was a great human being and a great guy. So very, 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 very sad. Uh, today is the anniversary uh, of winning the Carling Cup. And what a glorious day that was. Back in 2004, we went to Cardiff, Wembley 
I don't know what was happening in Wembley, refurbished or whatever, but we played the final at, uh, at Cardiff, and what a glorious day it was. I mean, I was alongside the late great Ali Brownlee doing the, the commentary. Don't forget, it was a golden period for Middlesbrough. I lost count of how many cup finals me and Ali had been together commentating in our beloved team. But Cardiff was one that'll stick in the memory. It was my first trophy in well over 100 years. And after the whistle, I remember grown, seeing grown men cry. That's how much it meant to them. You know, some of these elderly men that was at Cardiff probably thought their time had gone and they were never going to watch their beloved Middlesbrough lift a trophy. But they were wrong. They did see them lifting a trophy. And my memory was, I'm sure the, um, the roof was closed. The, the opposing fans had, had buggered off and disappeared. 35,000, 40, whatever it was, Borough fans were delirious, singing... Uh, there was fireworks going off. I remember there was a, I think it was a guy dressed in army uniform carrying a trophy with his gloves on and his hat. And there was um, Steve Gibson coming on. The players were on the podium. And what a day. It was a, a glorious day and one that will live in the memory forever. It was an emotional day, electric atmosphere. And um, as I say, fantastic day. Um, well, in recent weeks, I've been doing... Uh, Facebook Live after every Borough game. You just need to click on Facebook and you'll see me after every Borough game. Saturday I do 5 o'clock. Midweek games I do at 10 o'clock. I do an hour. So after uh, tomorrow night's game, Tuesday, game against Coventry, who are lying fifth bottom, hopefully we're discussing a, a victory and three points on the board. Um, yeah, so if you want to join us, you can join us tomorrow. But uh, looking at tomorrow's opposition, you know, people say, I had a, get questions on the Facebook Live, and one was, um, you scored a few hat-tricks, what was your best? Well, I was fortunate enough to score seven hat-tricks for Middlesbrough Football Club, but my finest was against Coventry at Highfield Road. Um, it was in the old First Division, the equivalent, uh, equivalent of the Premier League. In goal was a guy called Steve Ogruzovic. He was a very, very experienced goalkeeper, a very good one, as were Coventry at the time. But we went there, I grabbed a hat-trick, Matt Buck got the fourth, uh, Speedy, David Speedy, Scottish international, um, scored a hat trick of headers. Hard to believe when you think Pally's six foot six. I did think Mogger played, but Tony Mowbray did not play that day. So maybe that was the reason that he scored a hat trick. But um, that was one to live in the memory. Let's hope one of our forwards can get a hat trick tomorrow. To be honest, I'll be happy with a hat trick of shots, let alone uh, a hat trick. Um, we can back to the Facebook. Loads of people get involved, and I, I really, I'm, I'm a, a big thanks to all the people that get involved. I, I read some, I don't read out, some I don't get. But if I don't get them live, I miss some of them. I'll, I'll mention them in the following uh, Facebook Live uh, broadcast. But Yannick Belassi, I missed his. The, no, no, on Saturday it was a midweek game. He get involved in the Tuesday, and he put watch your video, Bernie, and loving the passion. So he he was watching the me on Facebook Live. Loving the passion and hoping to look in tonight with a win, but wasn't the case. Sorry to everyone. Boys, no, it wasn't good enough. We go again for a big game on Saturday, and obviously we grabbed a point on Saturday. But good to see current players. Very unusual for a current player to get involved in something like that. But I'm grateful for them. You know, guys like um, Glenn Durant, the the Duzzer, the 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 professional that player. He put something. I missed that as well. But somebody. Had, sent me and they say something about I like the, the photographs behind you. Big Jeff Winter, who's my pal, former Premier League referee, he put something when I was 
threatening to show my backside a full front on Ben's window if we get promotion. But anyway, I'll be back tomorrow on the Facebook Live, 10 o'clock. So join us if you, well, if you want to. Uh, well, my electrics and Wi-Fi, etc. went down on Friday. I had an electrician and get a bit of work done in the house. So I couldn't deliver the podcast on Friday. You know, it's been going Monday, Friday for the duration of the season. So apologies if you were thinking, where is it? I hadn't forgot, I just couldn't do it. But thankfully, all the technical, electrical stuff's been uh, resolved, um, I think. But anyway, sit back, listen to part two A Burroughs Great, Graham Soonis. Between 1972 and 78, he played 204 games for Borough, scoring 23 goals before moving to Anfield, where he shared in domestic and European triumphs, winning five league titles, three European Cups in seven seasons. Any, any of the major trophies, if you win a championship, that's a special occasion. You know, if you, if you win three European Cups, it's, it's what dreams are made of. And, and it's ironic, because at the time, you, you think... European Cup of one. Great, you know, it's a big deal that's not that big because Liverpool have always done that. And then, you know, you look at the hype that's gone with Manchester United this year doing it. You know, the normality of the whole thing comes home. But at the time, we didn't think like that because at Liverpool at the time, there was always that feeling that what they tried to instill into you. You're a good player, you're in a good team, but you're not as good as the team that was here before you. And you were forever trying to be better than what you were. And, uh, it was another way of hitting you on the head and keeping you keeping your feet on the ground. You've always had this champagne Charlie image. You know, how have you coped with that? Yeah, I think I like champagne. Someone else is buying it. But I, <laughs> but I yeah, I like a glass of champagne, but that's I think my pals and anyone that knows me would not agree that that's that's me. You know, from where I started, um, as a young boy, you know, I was one of three boys, we lived in a prefab, council prefab. Part of the two jobs to give us what we all wanted are very basic beginnings and um, I don't think you ever forget them and although I like the nicer things in life as we all do um, I'm certainly not I'm not a Billy Big maybe when I was a bit younger maybe I had a, an attitude then but certainly as you mature I like to think I'm a straightforward guy I must ask you as a boy my boyhood hero and idol was Kenny Dalglish you know what was he like on and off the field Kenny Miserable bugger. I'm sure you've met Kenny. Kenny's a unique character. He's somebody who you have to get to know him. You know, he's full of one-liners. Yeah. And I think that's his barrier he puts up for strangers. You know, but he ain't like that, is he? No, no. Once you get past that, he's a very different person. And, you know, I would profess to know everything about him, but he sort of stayed in, stayed in the same... Sounds terrible. Stayed in the same bedroom for <laughs> seven years. And we shared room for seven years. And... I know a hell of a lot about him, and he's not, he's not the man that, that the popular image that is thrown out about him. And on the pitch, he was just simply the best, man. He just wasn't anybody better. You don't miss one of the oh, best. It wasn't the best by that much, it was the best by that much. You know, I, in midfield, you would, um, you know, your head's down and you maybe try to get the ball back, and the ball's breaking, you win it. And you, if you just saw, only just look for his socks, you know, he knew where he'd be in the general direction give it to him if you saw his socks just give it to him and then he'd make something happen and he'd make the rest of us look great players leaving Anfield you moved to Sampdoria how did you enjoy your time in Italy? tremendous tremendous I um, I was lucky to go to Sampdoria who were on the way up 
they were a young team and I'd been brought into a father figure to all these young players and I'd the likes of Gianluca Viali, uh, Mancini who's now at Lazio. But a lot of young players, you know, they were only sort of 18, 19 and I was 31 when I went in there. So I signed for three years and, and the first year went really well. We won the first we won the Italian Cup which was the first trophy Sandro had ever won. And then um, the second year not so great. I think we finished about fifth or sixth. And then at the end of the second year, I got offered to. At the end of the second year, he's called me in. The present Mantovani, his name was, and asked me if I wanted to stay for the third year. And I said, Yeah, I'm happy to stay. I enjoy it here. I'd just like you to go out and buy some more quality and give us a real chance at the championship, because these young players were only getting better. And then uh, within two weeks of me having that meeting with him, well, immediately after that meeting, he's decided to sell a guy called Mattioli who had, who had brought in to play in my, with me. He had turned around after six games and said he couldn't play with me, he could only play in my position. So the president gets me in at the end of the second year and says, Are you happy to stay? I said, Yes. I said, Okay then. So he immediately sold Mattioli to Inter Milan. And within two weeks, I've had to go back and say, Look, I've had this chance to go back and manage one of the biggest teams in Britain. I'd love to go. And he was fantastic about it. Next move was to Glasgow Rangers as player manager. You know, people describe Glasgow as living in a goldfish bowl. How did you find it? Well, I, I'm from Edinburgh, so I used to do the hours journey every day. You know, I would drive through, and Glasgow is it's, it's a big footballing city, and it's a village when it comes to football. There's a rumour every day, you know, so-and-so's being sold, so-and-so's being brought in. Um, somebody's having an affair with another woman. Someone's left their wife or something every single day. And it's, it's hard to handle, but that's the pressure if you want to work at a big, big club. But I enjoyed it. You know, it was all new to me. I was privileged to be given the opportunity to start managing it at such a young age with such a big club and I made lots of mistakes and got lots of things right and we had five years there where we were very successful and we left the club in great nick. During his career as both player and manager spanning over two decades, Graham has had the experience of English, Scottish and continental football. Well I think I think um, when I was playing there was a big difference but I think that's all changed. I think um, Football has become very similar, I think maybe because of stronger refereeing, but I think our football at one time was quite, not quite, it was more aggressive and more up and at them style. And I think because the refereeing has become stronger in our country, I think yeah. that's made it more similar to what's happening on the continent. Mm -hmm. I think players are allowed to express themselves better now than without the threat of someone coming straight through and from behind. And um, it's hard to make, you know, people often, people ask that question and always will ask that question. You know, why should it be any different play the same size pitch, the same weight of ball, the same ball, same rules? Looking at your Scotland career, what, 54 caps? Guilty, I should have had more because when I went to Liverpool, we um, were openly, openly, quietly encouraged not to go and play in friendly internationals. Yeah. You know, at Liverpool at the time, we were playing in European Cup games, we were playing in League Cup, which is an important yeah. trophy then, FA Cup. And, and obviously league games right. and uh, we were encouraged not to go and play in friendlies and Alan and Hans and I would never go Kenny when he, he wanted to go and play in every single game he could and um, I think he's got over 100 caps in Kenny yeah, and uh, we were we were discouraged and first there was always an opportunity for Kenny to go back up to Glasgow and um, I should have played more but Whilst not being as involved with the football world as it has been, Graham and his partner are kept busy preparing for the arrival of the second son. But football still very much flows through his veins. 
I think in football, as you know, you never know what's around the corner. I mean, I, I, I want to work. I've always loved football. I will always love football. Either, yeah, if you play yeah, the game, yeah. you play the game, it, it never goes away. And I think um, as long as I'm John Breath, I'll always love football. And I think I'll always be in a situation that I would want to work. And um, although I'm not working at the moment, I'll wait for the phone to ring. And if not, I'll have a great garden in a few years' time. I'm sure it will ring. Yeah. Graham, thanks very much. Pleasure. Cheers. Pleasure. Cheers. Pleasure, Cheers. Danny. Pleasure.